We went out to uh, Virginia for Thanksgiving, and I had the very cool privilege of being a part of uh, my father-in-law Charles felling a tree, which was always, you know, he got his chainsaw, he, he notched out the one side to get it to fall that direction so it wouldn't damage any other trees and it would fall squarely over the lane so he could, you know, use his chainsaw to cut it up into big sections and then use a skid loader to carry those back and then saw those and then split. It's a long story. And it, his saw got stuck in the back, you know what I mean? Like it started to fall the wrong way and pinched his, his uh, saw. So then he had to hammer in the, uh, come on, help me out, the wedges with the uh, f- sledge. And it was just, it's always so exciting when that thing starts to, you just, oh no, I think I saw something. Oh my goodness, here we go. Oh, look at that. It's actually falling the right. And I was way close. I was with the camera. And, and I was like, if this thing starts coming toward me, I hope I have the brains to dodge sideways instead of, you know what I mean? The instinct, run away. And then you run in a straight line and get crushed. You know what I'm talking about. You're like planning. You're going, please, you know, be 20 instead of 40. Uh, just happens. The older I get, the less I trust my intuitions physically. But when that thing fell, it was like, Boom, shake the ground, and then this big cloud of dust, and then all you know, kids start climbing all over everything. And we got to, I asked him to cut me a, a section of it, and I forgot to bring it today. It was so heavy, it started to hurt my back. But I, cu- I had, had him cut me like a, you know, a three inch section, just like, a, uh, like an Oreo cookie, you know what I mean? From right down at the very base of the trunk. Then I took my little pen and my magnifying glass, and I marked off as many lines as I could find. And, and then I started to count them up by tens. So I estimated that tree was somewhere between 81 and 84, 85 years old, because I couldn't always distinguish. But what I want to talk about today is roots. So I wanted to bring that, because I was going to just set it right here and, and you know, have a little object thing to say, hey, look, you can actually see, you can actually see the rainfall in this tree over the past 80-plus years. It's a neat thing, because the roots will draw as much moisture as they can that year, and it will translate into faster growth, so a bigger, a bigger ring, a wider ring that year. But anyway, in the parable of the soils, I mentioned this a few weeks back, there are four kinds of soil that receive the seed, and Jesus talks about this. Verse, uh, verse 13 of Luke chapter 8 says that the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy but since they don't have deep roots they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation now that word temptation is in the greek the same word for the for for a test or a trial it's not separate words. So sometimes you read that and you go, oh, you know, they were tempted and then they, they got into sin. No, 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 it's the same word for test or trial. It, what it means is they, they, they thought this is going to be great. Wow, the kingdom's going to be a party. This is going to be amazing. God loves me. But then it turns out that it's like really hard. That it didn't like meeting Jesus and saying yes to the Father didn't like instantly make your life easy and wonderful. Or if you're a charismatic, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit didn't suddenly mean that all your prayers are just amazingly answered and you're just carried along by this supernatural power like you expected. It's still hard. And in the midst of that hard time, the joy of initially experiencing what it feels like to receive the word for some people dissipates. 
And Jesus says the reason it dissipates is because they don't have deep roots. And of course, there's another soil where it's not the absence of roots that causes the problem. It's the presence of other things sucking nutrients from the roots. So for some people, it's the lack of a deep union, a deep understanding, a deep abiding connection with Jesus that causes the the fruitlessness. But to some people, it's the presence of things that ought to be removed from our lives. The pleasures and cares, too many distractions. But I just want to focus on this theme of roots for a little bit longer here. If you could flip over to Jeremiah 17 or Tim Martin in his phone app, if you could poke over to it, whatever you tap over to it, I don't know. Jeremiah 17. We're going somewhere. I'm trying to build something, okay? Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. This is the word of the Lord. What an awesome picture. When you read those kind of pictures in scripture, don't you just immediately and instinctively say, I want to do that. I want to be that. Do that in me, Lord. Help. I want that. Flip over to Colossians chapter 2, please. Colossians chapter 2. Does this make you feel like you're at like VBS? Like doing a sword drill? That's what they used to call that. And then you get, what, a piece of candy if you're the first person to find the verse? Which meant that I didn't get any candy. (laughs) Colossians 2. I'm going to start higher above the verse that I want to get to. I'm going to just start at verse 1. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. By the way, that that verse right there is what Eric Reeder prophesied over us last week on Saturday night. He didn't say the verse number, but that's what he heard. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now that's interesting. In in Jesus are hidden. There's three things about roots that I find fascinating. The first thing about roots is, of course, everybody knows they go down and they draw the moisture and the minerals. They draw 
the sustenance from the ground. That's the first thing they do. The second thing they do is they anchor the tree. They, they provide strength and stability. But the third thing that I find fascinating is that they are the hidden source of the tree's life. Paul's saying that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I can't hardly read this without, without thinking that Paul is actually referencing Jesus' saying The kingdom is like a man who found a treasure buried in a field. And then in his joy, he sold everything he had and bought the field. uh, I'm not saying that he absolutely is, but the same truth that Jesus is saying is the same truth that Paul is saying here. I'm telling you this, verse 4, so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Stop, verse 6. There are so many believers that are bored with the Christian life. They're bored with their Bibles, they're bored with prayer, they're bored with church. Because they believe that the gospel is about forgiveness in heaven. And they're so deeply convinced of this, that even though they would say with their head and their mouth, they don't believe that, their heart believes that. So they have a been there, done that attitude. When they open the Bible, they don't think there's anything there that's going to challenge and inspire them that day. When they pray to the Lord, they don't have a sense of adventure. There's not an awakeness and an aliveness. There's not a journey. There's not a vibrant, real thing going on. Again, the mindset is, since I'm forgiven and going to heaven, what more really is there except be good? Right? So the Bible, of course, boring. Church, of course, boring. Faith, boring. Singing time is going too long. Everything's boring about this thing. And now, just as you accepted Jesus as Lord, you must continue in him. Okay, this is about relationship with Jesus, not about believing the gospel and getting to heaven. And if it's about relationship with Jesus, yes, forgiveness and sonship are a starting point, but they're an entry point into a life with him. And the life with him is the Christian life. The life of knowing Jesus, learning from Jesus, the life of participation in a real relationship with a living being who speaks, who breathes, who empowers, who leads, who guides, who directs, who interacts. Again, prayer, prayer is not you talking to God. Prayer is conversation with you and God. Bible reading is not, I, okay, Psalm 1, I need a glass of water, that's why I was searching earlier. Psalm 1, talking about, blessed is the man Whose, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by streams of water, which brings forth its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. I used to read that. I used to read that as though it were saying, if you get these biblical truths in you, these biblical principles and truths, these ideas, these things will make you strong. Hi, Carl. Thank you. How old are you, Carl? I just think it's hilarious that you dress cooler than me. You notice that? What's going on? He doesn't age.
So when I talk about being rooted, when I, when I say, like, I want to talk about roots, and Jesus is saying, these ones start with joy, but as soon as it gets hard, they, they quit because it's not what they expected, and they, they wither and they fade because they don't have roots, I can immediately, like, anticipate, and you guys can probably anticipate, oh, this is going to be a sermon about reading my Bible every day. Oh, this is going to be a sermon about, you know, <clears throat> devotional life. Gosh, I'll keep reading. But like, okay, then you try that and it doesn't work because it's boring. And it's just legalism. It's just like Tim's up here yelling about you should have your Bible study or something like that. So you try it, you do it every day, and you feel pretty good about doing it, but you don't actually enjoy doing it. Good. Many of us. And, and I want to say like, the, 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 uh, the Bible is for understanding. It's not about doing it, it's about understanding, okay? The, the only way you're going to find life in Jesus is if Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you, reveals the Father to you, reveals the Holy Spirit to you. So like only God can reveal God. It's a closed book without the Holy Spirit's breath. Amen. You can study it like literature and have no life in it. You can study it for religious rules and write doctrine and find no life in it. The whole purpose of Paul, like the whole purpose of Paul talking like this is not for you to get right doctrine and right rules, right actions and right ideas. He wants you to actually relate to the living person of Jesus. So, so notice where, where Paul wants you to be rooted here. Just as, verse 6, now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you must continue in him. Let your roots grow down into what does your translation say? This is, not, this is not getting rooted in biblical teaching. This is not getting rooted in rules. This is not getting rooted in, in, in a biblical understanding. This is getting rooted in a person. This is, this is what you put your roots down into is what they will draw up into you. Now, if you're rooted in Jesus, what will be pulled into your life? What will be pulled? Jesus himself will begin to flow through your spiritual veins. I, I get it. Trust me, there are days when I open my Bible and I'm like, I'm here because of my commitment, not because of my desire. And I don't know if anyone here does fasting, but like, oh, let's, let me smack you a little bit here. Is it worse if I prepare you for that? If I say you're going to get smacked and then... Or is it easier? If you take Matthew 6, if you just take Matthew 6 and you say Jesus has given us like a clear path for how to develop a good relationship with God. If we follow his instructions, like Jesus is so clear. If we follow his instructions, it's possible to have a cultivated heart. And if we have a cultivated heart, we can become, we can become the kind of people who obey him. Now, here's the part that you maybe freak out a little bit about. Naturally and easily. Yeah. 
If we follow Jesus' teachings, if we do what he says, we can become cultivated hearts, cultivated soil, so that we become the kind of people who obey him naturally and easily. Now, a little kid starting out looking at Beethoven or some great, incredible piano player is going to say, that's amazing, I'm going to do that. In their mind, they go, all I have to do is sit up there and try because it looks like that's what he's doing. So they get up there and try and it absolutely doesn't sound like that. And they say to themselves, what? I, of course you can't. Not today. Not yet. But with practice and with time, with training from a master, step by step, over time, the skills required build on each other in order to where you do what he does. And, and discipleship is like that. Grace is not God look, overlooking our flaws Grace is God loving us and empowering us and transforming us into his image. Mercy is him overlooking our flaws. Why is it hot up in here today? Is it me? Should I take my shoes off? I can hear you. My hearing's going, but I can hear you. It's the loud music. Trust me. My goodness. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Oh my goodness. Like building your life on Jesus, building your life on the person of Jesus would mean, would mean that he is your daily fascination. That he is what you are, you, you are attentive to Jesus. You are relating to Jesus. Your life is centered around Jesus. You're not having a little quiet time because you should. You're having a time seeking Jesus through the word to meet with him. You're, the, the Bible reading is a conversational time with him. It's an encounter with him. I was telling Tammy before, before church that I still struggle with this because it's a lot easier for me to just like read the Bible and serve the Lord than it is to actually relate to the Lord heart to heart. Because one of those requires just a little more of me. You know what I'm saying? A while back, Stanley was like, I, you need to do more listening prayer. You need to get back to doing more listening prayer. And I've noticed it's, 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 it's challenging to do listening prayer, to settle my heart down and look the, look the Lord in the face, so to speak. I remember when I had my first sozo a few years ago, they said, we want you to ask the Father, Father, how do you see me? And I was uh, like, ah, do I have to do this? You know why? It's so much easier just to work harder and hope it's good enough than to actually hear from him how I'm doing. It's, it's intuitive for us to, in the name of drawing near, actually withdraw. I'm not, I'm not joking. In the name of drawing near, open the book, read it, as a way of avoiding God. Are you with me? Does this even make sense yet? It's possible to read it to get him off your back. 
rather than to get into an encounter with him. It's possible to pray and say a bunch of stuff because you feel like you ought to be praying instead of to communicate with the Lord, with the Lord in a conversational way. It's possible to wake up in the morning, kind of hear an inclination in your spirit about what you're supposed to be doing and then find a way to say no to that while doing other things supposedly for him. It's possible to be a Martha in Luke chapter 10. It's possible to be a Martha busily doing things for the Lord, filling your schedule with so much Godward activity that when he actually asks for something, you feel like it's just ridiculous that he would ask you for anything else because look how busy you are. Meanwhile, he didn't ask you to do any of that. Worried and upset about many things serving Jesus. It's also possible just to ignore Jesus and, and waste your life that way. I'm just trying to point out that, that in this thing of being rooted, I don't, I don't want you to hear me saying, hey, come on, y'all, it's time to be rooted. Come on, y'all. If, if the hard times come and we fumble, there's something missing. And, then, and then, then, then think the solution is we just ought to pray harder. No, the solution is relationship with Jesus. The solution is John 15. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, you can ask whatever you want and God's going to do it. And, and you're going to bear so much fruit from me in you bearing fruit. Is this even making sense? Okay, so like I... I just have this deep conviction that for most of us, the gospel's kind of boring, the Bible's kind of boring, and church is kind of boring. I'm not going to do a show of hands. I don't want a show of hands. I don't want to be that discouraged. Maybe it would encourage me. I don't know. But I'm just nervous. I don't want to make people feel bad showing their cards like that in, in, in public, you know. I call. He's bluffing. Okay. One more verse. One more verse. Ephesians chapter 3. So flip back a couple of books. Ephesians 3. I'm going to start at verse 14. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, and I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Rooted in Christ, Colossians 2. Rooted in God's love, Ephesians 3. It doesn't... It doesn't get deeper than that. Anybody tries to get you deep? Oh man, I got the deep theology. I got the deep things I'm going to unpack for you in the Bible. And if they don't go to relationship with God through Jesus, if they don't go to all the treasures are found in Jesus, if they don't go to the it's already yours in Jesus, if they don't go to it's already what Jesus has accomplished and is offering to you, if they go to anything that detaches the fascination from Jesus, they're deceived. The deep things of God are who God has revealed himself to be to us through Jesus. The deep things are the love of God. It doesn't get deeper than love. It does not. 
Nobody's deeper than love is. Nobody's more profound than a life of love. Nobody has more wisdom than, than love lived out in the flesh. And if, and if whatever you're rooting yourself in doesn't lead to a life of love, it's the wrong thing to be rooted in. Only love is credible. You should... Hmm. The whole point of the parable of the Good Samaritan is that it would be, if you had to choose between being doctrinally orthodox and being love, you should choose love. Because the Samaritan has bad doctrine, but lives in a way that pleases the Lord, and the, and the Levite and the priest have right doctrine and displease the Lord. Don't live out the embodiment of those laws they so reverently quote. Jesus would rather you be good than right. The, the point of, of the, I want you in this book every day, as you know. I want you to eat this book. I want you to meditate on, on this book. I want you to chew on this. I want you to, to talk about this in your family lives. I want you to pray this book. I want you to depend on it for wisdom beyond yourself. I want you to trust the wisdom of the thousands of, of you know, authors who however many it is. I don't know how many authors it is. It's generation after generation after generation of either faithfulness or foolishness that is given here to preserve you from having to learn through experience what they've already learned for you. They've, they've, you know, let somebody else pay the idiot tax. Come on. Do you know what I mean? Like, they died in the wilderness, Paul says, so we wouldn't have to. They got, they got water from the rock so that we wouldn't miss the point and we would draw our water from the rock who is Christ. Like Everything in this book is written for your faith to wake up and be able to trust in the one who it's talking about who is in the room now. Everything that's written in here is to strengthen your trust. That's a relationship word. In the one who is in you. Listen, Paul says the gospel was hidden in ages past. It was hidden from generations and ages past, but it's now been revealed. He's trying to get you to freak out. He's like, do you not understand the, the absurdity of how much all these other generations longed to understand what has been made clear to you? And he says, what's this mystery that was hidden in ages past? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And now everything that he's doing, everything that Paul sets himself to do, he wakes up in the morning and he struggles and he strives and he strains and he goes and he sacrifices and it's all with one purpose. It's to connect you to Jesus and then to present you mature and complete. The Greek word is perfect in Jesus. That's his passion. That's it. He is living with a single focus. Root people in Jesus so deeply that no matter what hits them in life, they know how to relate to Jesus and, and let the life of Jesus in them flow out and bear the fruit of, of acting in that circumstance the exact way that God himself would act in the flesh. We okay? Funny things about roots, man. I'm going to read you some stuff. Go to my screenshots. At the beginning of an oak's life, 
When an acorn first sprouts, most of its energy is spent on root development with little growth above ground. The initial root is the taproot, which grows deep underground, seeking a dependable supply of moisture. Once this is accomplished, greater foliage and branch growth can begin. Soon, the taproot is surpassed by an extensive root system spreading horizontally. Is that like, this dude doesn't even know, he doesn't even know what he's saying. He thinks he's talking about, like, trees. It's so good I want to almost reread it, but I'm going to be careful not to bore you with too much. Soon the taproot is surpassed by an extensive root system spreading horizontally. This lateral mass of roots will bring the tree moisture and nutrients for its lifetime. Root hairs, hairs. yeah, for real, located just back from the tips of the smaller roots, absorb water and minerals and send them circulating through the root system. When two trees, oh my goodness, this, like I just lost it over here on this point. When two trees of the same species grow side by side, they can even share root systems that have grafted together. What? But of course, they still have their own taproot. That's marriage. What in the world's happening, trees? Trees, stop. You're preaching good. Here's another one. Have you noticed that hardwood trees grow slower? Yes, they do. So it's interesting, isn't it? The trees that are the strongest, the hardiest, the ones that withstand the most storms and diseases and bug infestations tend to grow slower. Faster growing trees may put all their energy into growth and burn out before they can achieve really old age. Slow growing trees may invest a lot in producing strong wood and defense mechanisms against insects and diseases and never rise above the forest canopy. So they're not like, oh, look at me, but they just don't die. That's something to be said for that. <laughs> Rapidly growing trees may occupy space more quickly, reach sexual maturity. I didn't even know trees had sexual maturity or anything on that topic. <laughs> and are more prone to frequent catastrophic fast-growing trees. More prone to catastrophic disturbances, including flood, fire, and windstorms. They also die at a younger age. Meanwhile, the slower-growing trees channel their energy into structural support and defense compounds, and they don't burn out from reproducing and slowly but surely outpace their mercurial cousins. Mercurial? Someone help me out. What's mercurial? Come on, word people. You know you know it. Are you being silly on purpose? I'm assuming it means like fast growing. I don't know. Somebody's Googling it right now. Mercurial. What is it? Like, like subject to sudden unpredictable changes of mood or mind. Oh, flaky. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. Nah, I changed my mind. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. I quit. Ah, 
well, okay, let me see. Uh, Anthony. Um, and you have a capo? I know why you introduced the song. So that people understand when it stinks that it's still in process. May my roots go down Sing it now? Probably not. We can try. May my roots go down deep. May they bring your water. May they bring your water to me. May my roots. May my roots go down deep. May they bring stability. May they bring stability in every storm. And every storm Unmoved, unmoved And when it's dry and dusty And when it's dry and dusty Bear fruit because of you Dug down deep in Christ, planted in your love, branches here below, roots are up above. You got that part now? Dug down deep. Dug down deep in Christ, planted in your love, branches here on earth, roots are up above. May my roots, may my roots. Down deep, may they bring your water to me. May my roots go down deep, stability. May they bring stability in every storm, in every storm. it and that ends the sermon go ahead and stand stand for a benediction may your roots go down deep into Christ may you be established and rooted in his love and may you abide in him bearing much fruit in the name of the father and the son 
and the Holy Spirit. God's people said, Amen. Amen.